I'm so sorry, you guys. I had the phone on mute, apparently. <laughs> Let me start over. Okay. Oh, Lord. That's how I know it's going to be a hot show today. Welcome to DYS Define Yourself series. If you guys can hear me, inbox me or say something, let me know you can hear me now. Okay, y'all can hear me good. Okay, I am uh, your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace, lifestyle designer and boldness coach. And the purpose of DYS, um, it started off as, in case this is you guys' first call or your hundredth call, whatever, the purpose of DYS is to educate, empower, and inform you on vital areas having to deal with life, business, money, and relationships. And today, we are going to talk about domestic violence. Now, the speakers on the line, and I'll introduce them shortly, but the world sees the, the glory, the end result, see us as powerful women out there living our purpose, not realizing or knowing the stories behind that. And there's a myth that domestic violence only happens to uh, weak women or, you know, or white women or poor women or this type of woman. But if you look at the three of us, you see the, the power and the strength in our face. And, you, and that's why it's important for you guys to hear our voice and our story and know that if you are in the situation, or if you are, you know someone in the situation, or you got out of the situation, that is not your end. That is not your end. The three of us are here today and have this commonality in our past. So with that being said, I'm going to introduce the speakers. My guest today, first I'll introduce Ms. Vanessa Canterbury. You guys may remember her from being on my weekly series, Define You Radio. And Vanessa, if you could go ahead and give a quick bio, please. Thank you and welcome so much to DYS. Oh, thank you very much for this opportunity. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I hear you great. Perfect. Um, I am from Chicago, Illinois, um, born and raised. I am a single mother of three young adults now. Um, I come from a place of dysfunction on so many levels, um, and I determined long time ago that I wanted to be able to break a cycle with my own children so they don't experience the same hurt and pain that I experienced, and I've been very blessed to be able to do that. And then also I went into a whole other chapter of my life has changed when I was laid off in 2011, and I had to rebuild myself um, in the entrepreneurial world, basically. And now I am a best-selling author, just released my second self-published book. I am a podcaster. I'm on radio. Um, I am a mindset coach. <laughs> and I work for the comfort of my home as well as a speaker. And so this is not to boost or brag or anything, but it's just to be able to give the next person hope to let them know that it's possible to be able to live your best life, even coming from dysfunction, even coming from a broken home, it doesn't matter. Your past does not determine your destiny. And so that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Thank you so much 
Vanessa, and we'll get into your story shortly. And next I want to introduce someone that you guys have heard on DYS several times um, and also Define You Radio. And I call her often Queen T, but her her legal name is Precious Brown. (laughs) Precious, are you with us today? Yes, I am here, Valencia, and thank you so much for this opportunity. And I was listening to um, Vanessa, and our stories are so much alike. Uh, I, too, come from dysfunction in, in, in so many areas of life. And through that, I ended up being in a marriage that was even more dysfunctional than you could imagine. Um, I am the mother of four children with six beautiful grandchildren. All of my children are adults now. Um, I began building my business, Powering You, um, on the premise of learning how to walk in my power and understand the value that I offer the world. Um, Powering You came into effect after um, suddenly being divorced, after a violent altercation, um, after 17 years. And from that time to this, I have, like I said, built the business, written several books on the horizon of releasing two more here in October, one transition and one shift. Um, And I am an advocate for women everywhere, whether it's domestic abuse, trying to build a business, um, understanding your children better, um, knowing what it is that you bring to a relationship and what you define as being able to walk in your power. And when you effectively walk in your power and know who you are, then you are able to set boundaries to not allow yourself to slip into the potentially violent areas of life. So that is that is the realm that I work in, and that is um, I help divorced women, um, a lot of divorced women trying to rebuild their life. Starting over is not easy nor fun, and someone always can use some help. So that's a little bit about what I do. Wow. Thank you so much, ladies. Um, it's funny how we all are at this place of helping and empowering women, and we all went through this, dealing with domestic violence. So with that being said, I want to, you know, just almost dive head first uh, into the discussion today. And one of, one of the things um, I did today, I, and I posted, if you guys are on the Facebook page, DYS Overcoming Domestic Violence, you'll see that I posted actual police reports that for some reason I still had. I didn't even know I still had them up until a couple of months ago. And um, it was a reason I didn't throw them away all those years ago. And it was a reason I didn't throw them away a couple of months ago. Um, 
And sometimes we do things without knowing the why, but it was so that I could post them for today's show. And, uh, and then I burned them on the barbecue grill. I think that was kind of symbolic because today is Labor Day. People are barbecuing. So um, with that being said, uh, we'll get into Vanessa's story. And I want to ask you, Vanessa, what type of domestic violence did you deal with? Um, oh, <laughs> mentally, physically, emotionally, I deal with it all. And sometimes people fail to realize that um, your abusive behavior can happen in your own household where you're being raised. Mm-hmm. And so when you are facing that time where you're going into that next chapter like a teenager, um, you attract what you've seen. And so that was me. This is what you see. This is what you experience, and this is what you feel is is normal. And so now you have yourself in the situation, and really, truly, not understanding now this situation, but it's familiar. And but this is this happens so often, and so now we stay in these relationships because we have not seen anything that's positive. We haven't seen somebody holding hands because they want to hold hands. We haven't seen no one open up the door because who opens up the door? If you don't see these things, how would you be able to know that this is not okay? But I have to be able to say, you know what, I got these babies now. I'm a teenage mom. I got these babies. So I got these babies. So you're telling me that if I'm getting my butt beat like I was being raised in, in, like you my daddy, I'm just saying, like you my daddy and you're supposed to discipline me, but you're not my daddy. You're supposed to be my, my boyfriend at the time or my, my children's father, whatever the case may be, but this is hurting me. This is hurting me to the point where you're breaking me down more than I already was broken when I entered this relationship. And, and, and people don't want to accept that. And so what they feel that, you know, they are allergic to foolishness, meaning this is all you see. You, this is what you're attracting yourself to, and so now you stay because this is your form and your definition of love. And so this is what I've seen. This is what I experienced, so this is what I stayed with. But I have to be able to just say, you know what, this right here, this ain't okay. I have to say that. Nobody else around me will say that, but I have to say that. But now I have to find a way to get up out of it because I know this is not okay. If I stay, then that means these little girls that I have here, they're going to stay, right? And so I have to do the work of myself. Even though I thought you loved me because that's what they do. They beat your butt, then they turn around and apologize. And then they turn around and, and buy you stuff. Then they start making you feel better. But if they're having a bad day, you're going to have a bad day. That's not what I want to be dealing with because you woke up on the wrong side, of the, on, on wrong side of the bed. I have to deal with your craziness. I'm not doing it. Okay, well, let me ask you this. What, what was the first time, do you remember the first time that you got hit? Girl, I would never forget that day. Never. Okay, well, tell, tell us about that. I just had my first child. Um, I think she was like two months, if I'm not mistaken. She was about two months old. 
and um, I was bringing her to her dad's house, and um, he felt that I didn't change her pamper quick enough. And that moment when he felt that I didn't change my daughter's pamper quick enough, when I say from one end of one room to another end of the next room to the next room to the next room, he beat my butt each room because I didn't change her pamper to his speed, as I, as you know. And I was like, this got to be a joke here. This That was the very first time he ever put his hands on me. And I was with this guy for like two years prior. And so um, – for my family to be able to not do anything about it, I was like, wow, this is crazy. So that was the very first time um, that happened. Okay. Now I want to go over to um, Precious, and I'm going to come back to you, Vanessa, with some other questions. Precious, do you tell us a a little bit about your, your situation and then the first time you recall being hit or your your situation? Um, my situation was, it started in my teenage years. My, my mom was married the first time her husband was abusive, and we saw that for several years. Um, I always vowed I would never be with anybody that would put their hands on me. Well, I was about 15. I got with this older guy who my parents told me don't talk to, forbid me to see, and because I want to be grown sneaking, I saw him anyway. Um, The very first time he hit me um, was he slapped me at his mom's house. Um, he thought that I was talking to his friend. Not talking to, like, trying to get with, just talking to in general. And he literally slapped the taste out of my mouth, and I saw stars. And that was at 15. That continued for two and a half years. Jumping out of bushes, you know, tried to kidnap me at gunpoint, you name it. But all this time, I wasn't able to say anything because I was being disobedient. I had already been told to stay away from me, and I made the choice to go into that situation. Wow. And it's crazy that, um, you know, when you say that you were 15, because I remember being in high school, and there was this guy who I knew because he lived by me, and periodically we would see him in the hallway, like, beating his girlfriend down, you know. And, of course, then nobody really talked about domestic violence as a teen issue. Uh, we just looked at it as, like, they were fighting and, you know, she was dumb and she must have did something because I knew the guy and he seemed like a nice guy. He was always nice to me. And she kind of seemed like she had an attitude. So it's almost like at that time, like I said, this was in high school, I didn't feel sorry for her like that, you know. Um, And I think 
even growing up, you know, I saw my mom, uh, my stepdad hit my mom before, and I just remember standing standing up to him and trying to get in between them, and I carried on that attitude of, you know, and I've seen different relatives, you know, go through that, and I always said, you know, they were stupid, and, you know, that was my whole take on domestic violence was the, the woman, whoever, the woman was, was stupid, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I had no sympathy whatsoever, and then when I went through this situation, I was being kind of rebellious, you know, I was in my 20s, but I was being rebellious because I knew I had no business with this dude. He, you know, showed signs of being a little off when we were dating, but off was was sexy to me in my 20s. And um, I barely remember the first time because, simple fact, during that point in time, I I wasn't together, you know, but I just remember every three weeks like clockwork. He would drink, he would get mad over something um, that happened when he grew up, which I didn't even know him then. You know, somebody died three years before, so he's mad today. And, like, clockwork, every three weeks, we would tear it down. We We would fight. And I'm thinking, you know, I was thick, and, you know, I'm thinking I could, handle the situation because he was, you know, a skinny dude, you know, Mm -hmm. but I didn't look at it as being what it was because I was fighting him Mm -hmm. and I refused to, to claim that domestic violence victim title. No, I wasn't getting beat. We would fight. Mm -hmm. So mentally that's, that's, I don't want to say made it okay in my head, but mentally I was able to look at it differently. And I wasn't one of those stupid women because we would fight. I had marks. He had marks, you know, um, and I thought I covered it well. And a lot of times, you uh, and I'm sure you guys could relate and could speak on it, is that when it happens that first time, maybe even the first couple of times, you kind of like go in shock mode, like, you know, well, we're going to get past this point. It's, it's going to be okay. Maybe if I cry hard, he won't do it again. Uh, maybe he was going through something that day, that month, something of that nature that this is not my life. So I think you kind of are in shock and denial at the same time. Um, Precious, your opinion on, on that. Um, absolutely. I think you go into what did I do and, and if I don't do it again, then maybe this won't happen again. But here's the thing to understand when it's whether you're the aggressor or someone else is, it's their issue. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. You just happen to be the relief valve. And like I said, I was 15. That went on for a few years. And after the last incident was the almost kidnapping at gunpoint, and 
I made a promise to myself that I would never be in another abusive relationship. And in my head, abusive relationship was physical until I got married. And I found out there was a whole another patch of um, domestic violence, being mental and verbal. Um, So I, I really think that we go into this, if I'm better, then this won't happen mode, which is, it's, it's a defense mechanism because that's the way that we think that we can keep ourselves safe, not to mention others that are around us. Hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. And it took a, it took a, whole, a, a while for me to realize, like I said, had I not went through that situation, I would have believed that the only people that went through that was stupid, weak women. And I know that I'm not that. And it, But through, I had to go through that situation for me to be able to sympathize with people who did go through that or or been through it or whatever. Vanessa, what do you have to say about the whole denial and justification thing uh, that we do when we're in that situation? Um, I, I honestly believe that, you know, um, it is. It's, it has something to do with that person. It has nothing to do with you at all. It truly doesn't. Um, but it continues to happen if you allow yourself to stay. And so you have to be able to um, understand the difference so you don't blame yourself um, why this situation happened. You know, um, you have to be able to get to the bottom of that because it can be psychological. It really can. It can really damage you because, like you said, you know, if I, if I cry harder, maybe he'll stop. Or, you know, if I, if I cook, he'll stop. Or if I do this, he'll stop. But you have to be able to understand that you cannot change that situation with how they're feeling as far as abusing you but to get the heck out of there. Uh-huh. This, that's the thing you have to do. You have to get your tail out of there because you may live to see today, but then what happens tomorrow? You know what I mean? Absolutely. It happens tomorrow, and it's getting worse now. It's, it's terrible. It is. It, it makes no. It's it's unbelievable the things that's going on now. But you do. You have to be able to get your tail out of there and stay out of there. Hmm. Understood. And I and I do believe that. Um, I think I read somewhere that I don't know what the statistic was. I want to say like seventy something percent of abusers come from. House violent households or households where they saw abuse. Now I know in my ex husband's case that was that was the situation he saw with his parents, and I know in my case I saw my stepdad physically abuse my mom. Do you guys? Um, is it something that both you and the abuser saw growing up? Vanessa, I know you said you saw it growing up. And the mm-hmm. guy, do you know if it was mm-hmm. a type, that's the type of household he was raised in or no? He was not. 
He was not. This is what happens, and this is what I understand. If you have an, a personal issue with yourself and you're trying to find yourself, see where you fit in and see what you can control, I'm just saying, if you could be able to control this situation where that person, where's that person going, right? Where's that person coming from? Where they're doing? Every movement that that person makes and that person answers to your all of your requests, that's a control issue. You know what I mean? So it isn't. It doesn't have necessarily have to happen in that household, but there's something wrong with that person where they're still trying to find how can I get something that's really a mine now that I can be able to control to make me feel like I'm a bigger and better person. And so now they're playing these mind games. But if you really step back, if you ask that person every single question that they're asking you, you're not going to get those same responses. Now it's becoming an issue. It's turning the tables. Again, it goes back to the mind game. So, no, he did not, he wasn't raised um, in an abusive household at all. He didn't, no. Hmm. Precious. Um, the first boyfriend, well, and the ex-husband both um, came from, the first boyfriend did not, um, come from seeing his mother um, in an abusive relationship, but his aunt was, because I was really close friends with his first cousin. That's how we met. Um, His aunt was. So in that aspect, he saw it, but it wasn't, he didn't grow up in the home with it. Um, The ex-husband, absolutely. But the thing was, with the ex-husband, he grew up in a volatile household. But until the day I left, he never put his hands on me. He had never once. I was the aggressor. If I didn't get things my way, I would, I want to fight. Did I ever hit him? A couple times. Mm-hmm. Is it justifiable? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But that's how I knew how to deal with conflict. I was a fighter, and so I took that into my relationship. So moving into the marriage, we didn't have regular physical violence, but the the tongue is just as deadly. We had the verbal, the mental, the mind games like Vanessa talked about. We, We did all that, and in his household, yes, he saw the violence. He saw the fights, you know. And so to us, it was normal. It wasn't until I, five years before our incident, which would have been 2003, I had made up in my mind that I was done. And I would tell him every single day, I'm leaving you. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I didn't know. I didn't have a plan together. I just knew that I was leaving because I knew that this could not be what marriage was. It wasn't supposed to have been like this. I saw my grandparents married for 60-plus years. My, they never raised their voice. My mom and my dad, my, my stepdad that raised me, because after my mom left her first husband, I was nine. She was remarried when I was 11, and they never argued. They never, I never heard them raise their voices. You know, people used to say we were like the beavers. 
or the cleavers or whatever it is. <laughs> and because our, our, our household had just changed so much and it was so much calmer and a lot more peace, but it was still in me because I had already seen it and it just needed to be activated. And once it was activated, the cycle began. Because the thing is, you have to understand that this is a cycle. It's a cycle. And if you don't, if you don't intentionally break the cycle, it will continue. It will continue. It will happen over and over. It doesn't matter what relationship you go to. It will happen. If you don't address it and take authority over it, and that's what I mean by walking in your power. You have the power to control yourself, and if the person you're in a relationship with can't control themselves, you have the power to walk away. But a lot of our issue as women, and this is just my opinion, we have issues with being alone. So we'd rather settle and be in this harsh environment instead of saying, I'm good by myself, and really be good by yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I answered your question, but. No, <laughs> you, you did, and you, you hit some very uh, important nails on the head. I know um, my next relationship from that marriage since I was in uh, in fight mode from from the abusive relationship, I automatically was in fight mode in the next relationship. So mm-hmm. that meant I had, you know, mentally absorbed this thing that argument meant fight. Mm-hmm. So I did lash out a couple of times or, you know, I was I was ready, like I was I was ready. I was just expecting it, and I was you know like winding it up, like I was on the street, you know, ready to fight. Just because of everything that happened in that previous relationship, and then in in that relationship, it was a different type of abuse. It was more emotional. And and financial that if you don't do what I want to do because I was at home staying at home at the time if you don't do what I want you to do I won't bring the check home so you won't have any groceries or if you go do this with your friends I'm going to show up and do you know do this so I went from one one type directly into the next type. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was that um, not being alone thing. Uh, I, it was it was just so it was just crazy. It was it was a, a cycle because number one, I never saw a happy, healthy relationship. So besides TV, which I knew had to be a lie, because nobody I knew had a happy, healthy relationship except my great grandparents, and that they. You know, that was forever ago they lived, you know. Mm -hmm. But nobody I knew in this quote-unquote today's world had a happy, healthy relationship. So that didn't exist. So I didn't expect it, expect one, you know. Vanessa, any words you would like to add? (laughs) 
Well, this is my thought. Precious girl, you you hit it. You hit it because uh, it took me a long time, you know, to to be able to share my my um, the things that allowed me broken in in my life, and it comes from blinking and it causes you to get in these dysfunctional relationships and now you're dysfunctional and now you're raising your children with dysfunctional all of these types of things and every single thing that precious said is true you ha- it's a cycle it, it, you have to be able to take the the stand to be able to break that cycle and so when i decided to be able to even put my book out there it was those specific things i hit on because those things will keep you broken in those relationships. You have to learn how to date yourself. You have to learn how to love mm. you. You have to learn how to be able to hold yourself tight in the middle of the night. You have to understand that you should be able to take yourself to the best restaurant and have the best of everything. So you should not have to ever depend on anybody, a man or a woman, because it's not just men who are abusive. But overall, you able to just take yourself out to have the best time ever, and you should never have to be defined by having somebody by your side. You should be able to define yourself within yourself because you love yourself just that much to not continue on that cycle of what you've seen. You can't continue to point the finger at everybody else because it really depends on you. You are that defining moment. Is this what you want? If this is the life that you want, continue down that cycle. But if this is not the life that you want, you need to do some work on you. Well, I think let me interject here because I, I I think that some things nobody that that I've seen no no man walks around or or woman walks around with a shirt I may abuse you after two months of dating and no woman <laughs> or man walks around with a shirt I will accept your abuse you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just like with anything, like even when you're dealing with mo- with money or business or anything, there has to, if it's not going right, it's not that you ask that to ch- ask for that, but it's like once you wake up and realize what's going on and you do have a choice, then that is, you know, what the decisions that you have to make, you know, um, because I'm I'm a strong woman. I was born strong, and I didn't invite. What you say, Precious? No, this is an answer. This Go is ahead. a problem that I'm I'm seeing. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. This is a problem that so many are having. We not taking our time. We are rushing. That's what where I'm saying. We cannot rush. No, there will never be a sign of an, an abuser or an attacker. You will not see that. I mean, I mean, it's always good in the beginning. But take your time because if that person is meant for you, then it will work out. But if that person is showing any types of signs and you have took your time to be able to say, wait, hold on, wait a minute now, at least you have taken the necessary steps. So you don't repeat those same cycles. Precious. Um, I agree that we don't take time, but that's that's moving forward into understanding who you are. Mm-hmm. And who you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from 
young adulthood not fully understanding what constitutes abuse is the main issue. Um, Before you can take time to even, you know, understand the signs, we get into relationship after relationship after relationship Mm -hmm. after relationship, not understanding that, okay, this is a sign of he may hit me if all of a, all of a sudden he's exploding or all of a sudden you see really serious jealousy tendencies or all of a sudden now that we're together, you don't wear, want me to wear a certain thing or don't put your hair like that or cover up or because there's more than just the hitting. There's signs that come before it even gets physical. There are signs of, at first, everything you did was cute. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, you you can't stand when I sneeze, when I have mm-hmm. a cold. Yes. But if you're not aware of what's happening, you will miss all the little signs, and you think automatically, it just got abusive when he hit me. Mm-hmm. But you don't recognize that it started way back on the mm-hmm. fifth date when he told me, pull your shirt up or Where, go put on something else. Or mm-hmm. you think you're you think you're going to be comfortable in that when instead of are you going to be comfortable is really I don't want nobody else to see you like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's really subtle. Yes, we have to take time to get to know ourselves. Yes, we have to take time to get to understand um, what abuse is and, and, you know, the forms of abuse. But we also have to be able to recognize those little signs Mm -hmm. because the little signs are what get you to the big fist. Yes, ma'am. So, so you have to be, we have to be aware, and I don't think that it's all the time that we don't know. Sometimes we just prefer not to know. Mm-hmm. I see it, but no, that, that can't really be what this is. Right. And then we start to pacify the behavior, and then down the road it becomes a whole nother beast. Mm-hmm. So it's several it's several pieces to domestic violence. It's several mm-hmm. um, areas that are covered because, like I said, with my ex-husband, we would have knockdown dragouts, you know, cussing each other out when I cussed. Uh, you know, he was everything <laughs> but a child of God under the sun, mm-hmm. and so was I, and that was the norm. So mm-hmm. now that my girls are grown, they have the same behaviors, and I have to pull a coattail on it, mm-hmm. you know, because I know what they saw. They were in the house with me. Mm-hmm. But I also know that that cycle can be broken. So I minister to them in that way so that they understand that this isn't how it has to be. You have to control you, and you can't control him, nor can you change him. And my mm-hmm. sons, are, I tell them the same thing. You cannot control her. You can control you, your actions, and what you say. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter 
if the other person is not treating you the way that you feel you should be treated, then it's time to walk away. And that's before it get abusive physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, um, verbally, or any other type of way. You have to stand up for yourself. But all of that leads back to what Vanessa was saying. You got to know you. Mm-hmm. You have got to know you. And if you don't know you, you in, in the process of all that abuse, you're going to try to figure it out, and, and it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I've been there. It's not going to work it, because you're, you're so intertwined with everything else that's going on. You don't know if it's them or you. Mm-hmm. So and that's you, why you um, have to take that time to step away and be okay with being away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to, and both of y'all hit hit on this, and I, I'm reflecting as we're talking um, is that, you know, I didn't know me because, you know, I always like to say I'm a gumbo of this, this, and this. At that time, I was a gumbo of three shades of dysfunction and plus some, 50 shades of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. <laughs> I had an idea I had an idea of who I was, but I didn't know. And But when I knew, that was something else. That was like, who? where did this person come from? Like, you, you think uh, you changed, um, and I did get a question in the inbox I'm going to ask you guys shortly. Um, I didn't change. I grew. I had to grow into me. I had to grow into knowing who Valencia is outside of the, you know, levels and layers of dysfunction. So um, with that being said, uh, if you guys have a question or a comment, I, I believe you can star six your line. You can also inbox me on Facebook if you would like to um, remain anonymous that way and ask your question. But the question in my inbox, says, uh, being that teen, how do you tell your parents um, and they don't think it's a big deal, but you know it's wrong, what do you do? Like if you're a teen in an abusive relationship, like how do you relate that to your parents? Um, Vanessa? Oh. I'm sorry, guys. Give me one second. Precious, you with me? Yes, I am. I'm sorry. I guess it muted everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Vanessa, you with me? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I I could hear you. When I clicked over, it did something weird. If you guys have a question or comment, please start six your line and inbox me on Facebook. Uh, what advice would you give to a teen um, in an abusive relationship, you know, telling their parents and their parents may not, you know, may think you're being dramatic or doing mm-hmm. it for telling them that for attention? Like what, what advice would you give to a teenager in that situation? Because we know that domestic violence does mm-hmm. happen that early. Yeah, um, that was me. That that was all of me, and um, I can relate so well. Um, but this is what I will tell my children to this day. Um, I will, sh- of course, I will share my story and how far it, it you know, 
everything started and how it began. And so that way, that could be that wake-up call to them, okay? Once I do that, then I will ask them a series of questions. Is this is what you want? Do you feel this is what you deserve? Because you have to understand that there is so much more to this. This is more. But if you stay, there's no possibility you'll be here tomorrow so I can speak to you, that I can keep on pouring into you, that I can keep on loving you and molding you and shaping you for something greater than this. And so what I would tell that baby is to get your butt out of there. Get out of there, stay out of there, and remove all type of contacts with that person. They're going to persuade you. They're going to try to buy you. They're going to try to do every single thing. But know that you are not for sale. Know that you are not for sale. You have more to offer, but I want you to be able to get your butt out of there so you can be able to get to know who you are and understand you have so much worth within you. But you cannot find yourself and see yourself when you are distraction, when you are distracted by all this foolishness. Okay. Precious, what advice would you give? Uh, thank you, Vanessa. That was a, a great response. Precious, what advice would you mm-hmm. give to a teenager that is in that situation? You know, what do you think is the best way for them to handle it and talk to you know, discuss that with their parents because, honestly, I don't know, um, you know, having a son, if he came to me and said, you know, um, my girlfriend hit me or something like that, I don't know what my reaction, I have an idea of what my reaction may be, but if you were giving an advice to a teenager dealing with that, you know, what do you think is the best way for them to handle it and talk to their parents? Well, being that uh, I was being defiant, I know that I would have, if if it had been any other situation, I would have been able to go to them and my dad would have came out guns blazing. Right. Um, If your parents, don't want to, one, believe it, or two, think you're being a drama queen, or whatever the case may be. There are always, 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 always safe places in every state, in every city, in every county. Find you a safe place. Talk to a counselor. If it's somebody at school, you have a, I don't know if they have social workers still in school now, or we used to have guidance counselors. I don't know what they're called now. Talk to them. If they won't, you talk until somebody helps you. You stay away from him as much as possible. I agree with that. But in my case, I know how it is being a teenager. Like I said, I was 15. I was cheerleading. I was in, on track team. I was Every sport that was played in high school, I was a part of it. So I was at school after school a lot of times, and that's when it would transpire. But, again, I wasn't telling my coaches. So I would say tell your coaches, tell your principal. You talk until somebody does something because okay, the fear I, we have is a, real. We have a question. Hold on. Let me unmute your line. Caller, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hello? 
caller, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Okay, we'll see if, if they come on. Um, caller, your line's unmuted, so you could go ahead with your question or comment. Um, so, we'll just wait to see. Okay, no more questions or comments in the inbox, and we'll see if the person comes on. Um, with that being said, um, let's talk about the residual effects. And I know we have like eight minutes. Um, we have eight minutes to eight, but, you know, we're going to roll with it. Um, what was the residual effects, like taking in, going into your next relationship? Um, what did you learn from it? What would you say you learned from it, Precious? Um, for the first, from the teenage relationship going into the adulthood relationship, I learned that I wasn't going to let nobody put their hands on me. <laughs> Simply stated, that just was not happening. If you did that, I was out the door. I mean, no excuse. I didn't want to hear the sob story, no none of that. Leaving... The ex-husband, uh, like I said, of 17 years, and he, he tried to kill me. Like, he put a loaded gun to my chest and pulled the trigger. So nothing but the grace of God that I'm still here. And from that relationship, I learned to, one, be aware, two, don't settle, and three, take inventory of me. Because I believe I stayed in that relationship for so long, I thought or I said for my children. But I did not realize the true residual effect that that relationship would have on my children. And it is an eye-opener. But leaving that relationship, I set boundaries for my life. And the consequences behind those boundaries being crossed, I stand by them. There are certain things I will not tolerate in a relationship. One is any form of abuse. I don't care. Don't yell at me. Don't raise your voice. Don't act like you. I don't play hidden. None of that. If I see signs, I'm good. And... I am able to stand on that. I don't play mind games. I don't do the lying. Those are boundaries I set for my life. And if you can, if you cross those boundaries and we're in a relationship, then it's over. It's just that simple for me. But that's because I know who I am. I know what I bring to the table. And I'm comfortable being alone. Hmm. Good response. Vanessa, what did you learn uh, from that experience? Um, I, I've learned a lot. I agree totally with Frasha. She just, my goodness, girl, you're knocking them out the park. I agree. Um, you, I, I'm making my business to be able to surround myself around people that could be able to give me um, wisdom, not only in just relationships but in life, because I understood that that wasn't possible for me to get it from the home front. And so each relationship that I go into, um, I, I was, I'm cautious. I'm not just having my guard up, 
but I'm cautious. I want to know that, you know, I want people to understand that I'm a grown woman, and grown people know what they want. They know what they're not going to settle for. They know what they, they could bring to the table. And so you have to make sure that you never subject yourself to the water down your self-worth for anybody, for anybody. And so if someone who cannot be with you to be able to just really truly appreciate you and what you bring to the table and to push you, support you and everything else, then you really have to make sure and ask yourself honestly, openly, even if you may not like it, is this the person for you? And you have to be okay with that because, remember, you have done the work on yourself to get to the point where you're at and you know you have more to bring to the table. So don't bring on the, the past into your future, but just understand that you have something that that one person would truly love. So don't just settle just to be able to have somebody in your in your space at that moment. I hope that makes I sense. I know. Um, no, it does. I know once I got out of both of those relationships, I definitely knew what I did and didn't want, mm-hmm. what I would and would not tolerate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew who who I was. And I knew, you know, like I said, what I wanted, what I wasn't going to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would have known all those things had I not went through what I went through. Sometimes you don't know the the pretty till you deal with the ugly. I don't know because that is part of my life I can't undo. But my relationship now with my husband, I mean, coming into it, I had dealt with with that baggage. And I came out more, uh, I don't want to say more assertive, but just this is who I am, this is me, accept it or not, Mm -hmm. I'm good being by myself. And he understood. And one of the questions I got in that I will ask also, um, but I, I knew, and it's like my relationship now and, you know, like you have those discussions, like what if we would have met then, then, and then. I don't know if I would know how to be a wife or be – I don't know if Valencia would be Valencia had not I went through that. I don't know that I I would know that because I didn't see happy and healthy growing up, so I had nothing to refer back to, but I knew what I did and didn't want. That's what I learned from it. I learned the warning signs um of it, I learned that you know, you know, like being that we've been through it. Sometimes you could see, it's almost like you could see it off of somebody. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're around someone that's dealing with that situation, it's or or have been there. It's like, it's like you you know, it's a it's a certain it's a certain look, a certain thing that I know. You know. Um, or that I could feel off of people, and I just say uh, to them, and this will kind of go into my next thing, um, what uh-huh. I wish somebody would have said to me was that if you need me, I'm here. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we just, well, it's not our business. Well, I don't want to see it. I'm not saying I'm about to, you know, come and, you know, um, like gangbusters and kidnap you out your house and your kids. 
because a lot of times people people have to remove their self from that situation. There's mm-hmm. nothing, and that's one of the things that I would like to get across to other people. There's nothing. So if you're in that situation or know someone in that situation, you cannot force them. You just have to let mm-hmm. them know that you are there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's my, what my advice would be. That's what my advice would be. What advice would you give somebody who um, has a friend or, you know, family or neighbor, maybe a neighbor or something like that, that's in that situation? Because a lot of times we don't want to get involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the, the, I would tell, I would definitely say I'm here. I'm I'm here when you need me, not if because you, I know you will. Right. Um, but I agree wholeheartedly. Until you're ready to remove yourself from that situation, it it doesn't matter how many mm-hmm. times you rescued. It doesn't matter how many times you call the police. How many times I had a rule of thumb: mm-hmm. if I have to call the police to my house to get in my business, it's a wrap anyway. Hmm. Because they don't they don't they don't need to be in my house. So it it doesn't matter what transpires. If you are not ready to leave, you are not going to leave. And mm-hmm. there is no need in bringing other people into a volatile situation if you're going to go back. Mm-hmm. So I would mm-hmm. tell them, be sure that you're ready because when I come, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing I would tell them is to have a plan, whether it be your escape route, whether it be your next step. I know sometimes we don't always get a chance to plan, but if you're thinking about getting out, you've you got time to, to get a plan together hmm. and start setting goals to reach to make that plan happen. And if you say, okay, the only time I know that I'm going to have free time, he go to work at 9, he coming home at, at, at 6 or 7 in the morning, you know from 9 to 6 or 7 in the morning you got time to get whatever it is that you need and get out of there. Mm-hmm. I told Vanessa. my kids when it was time, for, when it was time oh. for us to go, I said, when I say let's go, let's go. Hmm. Don't ask me no questions. Get up and let's go. And that's how it happened. That was my plan. It was simple as that. That was the plan. What I was doing next, I didn't know. But I knew it was time to go, and that's what we were leaving. When I saw that window of opportunity, I took it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vanessa, what advice would you give? I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, and I will add to it, just make sure that you are around people who who are um, supporting you because you're going to need that support. Um, you don't need anybody to beat you down as to why you stayed that long or whatever the case may be. You need that support system that's going to be able to build you back up because um, it's very important. And, and, and that's what I know that had helped me. I had to get somewhere um, where he wasn't able to find me, and when I left, I had that plan. Um, 
pregnant with our second child, and I, and I did not look back, but you're going to be tested. And I'm telling you, you will be tested on so many levels where you're going to be tempted to be able to go back. Um, but make sure that your support system have your back because you will need it. You will need it. And once you do that, make it your business not to jump into another relationship because you may feel mm. or you want to be able to feel like you're still worth it or you need to be validated. No, work on you. Take that time and work on you. Get yourself back together. Get your mind because it, will, it messes with your mind as well. It's just not physically. It's just not verbally. It's mentally as well. So you need to do all the necessary work for you because, remember, you don't want to repeat that cycle again. And then at the same time, once you get yourself well enough, make sure you share your story because you need to, you know, your story to help save someone else. Share your story that you are able to get out. So that will encourage the next person to know that it's possible for them to get out as well. Okay. Let me go ahead. Um, we have another question or comment. Let's see if it works this time. Caller, are you on? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yay. Okay, I did it right. Okay. What's your question or comment? Okay. This is Tasha. I just want to say thank you, ladies, for sharing your stories and also uh, giving some knowledge for some people that are afraid to speak up because what y'all said tonight has probably reached a lot of people that are afraid to say anything. So I just say thank you. Oh, wow, you are so welcome. You are so welcome. Well, I, I definitely hope it, it goes over and beyond and uh, and serves its, its purpose, um, which we may not know. It could be someone that's on the line now, someone that listens to the call, to the replay that's in that situation. And like I said, people see the, the end result. They see three powerful you know, women, and you see the confidence and the strength, and not knowing that this was part of our story. That was that was a a, a, a paragraph in the novel of our lives. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the whole story, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be your whole whole story. And um, with that being said, if anybody has any is if there's any other questions or comments, you can inbox on Facebook or star five your line. Um, so I am I do want to get information, give you guys the information you guys need to get in touch with Vanessa and Precious to reach out to them, let them know that you guys enjoyed what they said, support them, friend them. Both of them have great books out and, and coming out and to keep in touch with them. So, Vanessa, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how um, would they go about and do that? Um, they can go to my website at inspiredbyvanessa.com, inspiredbyvanessa.com, and you can also reach me at the email address, inspiredbyvanessa at gmail.com as well. Okay, I am posting that information now. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's like we just get, uh, I hope I did that right. And Precious, if the callers want to get in touch with you, what, you know, what's the best way to, to do that in your website? 
Um, actually, my website is under construction because I'm changing a lot. So the best way to get in contact with me is by reaching me on any social media platform under the name Just Precious B because I'm just precious. And um, <laughs> and you can also reach me via email at coach at preciousbrown.com. Okay. And make sure you guys um, check what I posted and, you know, any other information you guys want to give um, to the audience, make sure you post on the page so they could reach out to you and look for you guys' books. And with that, um, since we have no more questions, any more questions or comments, um, caller who number started with um, ended in two, I'll say that. Your line is still open if you have a question or comment. Hi, it's Laquisha. Um, I do have a comment. I was just going, um, listening in and just going back to what, what was said as far as the support system. Having a support system is so uh, very important. That's why, that's what made, um, that's one of the things that I try to do with my story is just to, you know, just develop a support system and just let people know that, you know, that the resources are available and that, you know, I, I am a, a contact of support because when I went through, when I went through my situation, I really didn't have support. The 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 one person who I just knew would be there to support me, well, she, um, she went through her own domestic abuse, and she never did anything about it. And because she never did anything about it, she, ju- she judged me because I was like, I'm not going to, like, this man almost killed me. Like, this is the man, number one, that I vowed to God that I was spending the rest of my life with, but yet and still he almost killed me in front of my children. And I was like, you allowed that to happen to us. I was like, you allowed that to, to happen to us. You allowed, I was like, and I'm not going to allow that. It's not it's not okay. I said, it's, it's not okay. It wasn't okay then, and it's not okay now. And so um, earlier I didn't speak up because I was actually in her house, and I didn't want, you know, like I don't even right. like to talk about myself around her because, she, like, she's just not supportive, and she thinks that she think, she she's like, oh, you know, you're so dramatized, and you take it, you you take things too far. And I'm like, no, this is not taking it too far. Because at the end of the day, this was my life that was in jeopardy. This was my life that was being being jeopardized with every single blow. Like, when I was able to escape and find out that this man had a knife and had told the, and was bold enough to tell the police that he was going to kill me with that knife when they asked him what he was going to do with it. And so I, you know, for so for me, like my my experience, you know, I learned so many lessons from that. And so I do. I just wanted to that and just let anybody who is listening, who is who is maybe going through that situation, like that is the best thing that you can do is to surround yourself with positive reinforcements because that is like the one thing that will, like, torture your mind is that it's your fault, and it's not your mm. fault. 
And so just being able to have a, a, a support team is so very important because if I didn't, if me personally, if I just depended on family for support, I wasn't able to do that. And so, you know, just being able to have a team of women to say, you know what, no, it's not your fault. You know, like, if you need me, I'm here. And then just be, being able to have them there when I really needed them, that helped me through my situation a whole lot, a whole, whole lot. So, yes, yes, please, please, if you if you, if you can, can get yourself a support team, that, that will help a lot. Can I, can I wow. say something to you? Um, but I, I didn't catch your name, so I, I apologize. It's um, Laquisha. Laquisha, this is Vanessa. One of the things that I have learned in this, and, and I and I commend you so much of finally getting out. But this is what I want you to understand: with your friend who's going through that right now, she is in a place where she might want to get out, don't understand how to get out. And she's probably too afraid because she don't know what the outcome may be. Some people are just not strong enough. And so you also the most won't support you because I explained to myself, family and close friends usually they just don't support you because they're probably thinking that you probably go right back into it or they're probably too busy just trying to down you, whatever the case may be, whatever negativity that may be in your close proximity. but. To find somebody else that you would not even expect to get you out, those are the ones that you want to be around. And so for you to do that, that's commendable. But your friend, she's not understanding because sometimes she's at that place where she she don't know. She don't know what direction to go. And my question is, who are you? Okay, Vanessa, you're really breaking up. Precious, what would you like to um, to add? And thank you so much, caller. Thank you so much for your uh, comment. And I just wanted to add that before I forgot to say that. But Precious, what would you like to to add to that? As far as the support system, yes, it's very important, but it's not mandatory. Hmm. When coming out of a domestic violence relationship, no matter what type of domestic violence it is, it is imperative that you learn to stand on your own two feet because nobody, not your mom, from your mama down to your babies, nobody is required to assist you. Oh. So although she, the the friend, I get where what you're saying about the friend and she is not being supportive, I get that. I understand it wholeheartedly. I had some friends tell me, you crazy, you leaving, you know, because our, our, our home front was decent. And they like, you leaving after, it, it, he, you know he was probably, you know, making excuses. Nah, mm-mm. My life and my children's lives are more important than anything. But not having the support is not an excuse to stay. That's right. It is totally up to her 
when she's ready to move her feet. And I'm not I'm not downplaying the fear because the fear is real. Mm-hmm. I mean, being so scared to get tissue to blow your nose. The fear is real. And I get that. But until she musters that strength that she has on the inside of her, that power to say, I'm not taking this no more, and if I got to fight to live, then that's what I'll do. Because because until that switch is flipped, she's not going to see your side. She's not going to be able to be supportive because you've done something that she hasn't been able to do. You've walked away. She hasn't. So she's not going to support that because you should be, in her mind, you should be going through like I'm going through. Just stick it out. It's your husband. You know, no. So as her friend, because you're not seeing eye to eye right now, I would encourage you, if she reaches out to you, and you'll know if she's really ready, she reach out to you, you be that support that you wish she had a been. Good. Um, and and I want to say this, um, too, and Van- let's see, um, Vanessa line drop, maybe she'll call back in, but I didn't have a support system when I left uh, either time from either situation. Um, and everybody knew, but like Precious said, they will – oh, it's not that bad, you being dramatic, whatever um, the case may be. I didn't have a support system. I called the battered women's shelter. I had my police report, and I knew what to expect. I knew when I left it was dangerous. One of the police reports I posted was after I left, and he broke into my apartment and you know, I don't know how much in detail the police report went, but he poured beer and urinated all over my clothes. This was after I left, months after I left. And uh, I felt like it was just me, but I had my son, and so I didn't have a choice but to find some strength. I have no earthly idea where it came from. I prayed and I just had to, I had to, you know, one of those fake brave until you are brave situations. That's what I, I had to do. I was terrified. But I knew if I stayed, it was going to be me or him. And I did, I couldn't go to jail. So um, where a support system is, is great to have if you have one, if you don't have one, then reach out to those, you know, anonymous numbers or anonymous um, people who could say, hey, call, you know, call the sheriff's office, call the battered women's shelter. Not meaning you have to go there and go to any meetings or anything, but even if you just need to talk and, and cry um, and cry out, you know. So support may not look like what we think we should, it should look like. But there is certain certain people that's out there, and, you know, you just have to build yourself up and learn how to support yourself. And that may mean, like I said, reaching out to um, 
different hotlines and so on and talking it out with somebody until you able to build up your own support system within yourself. Um, so with that being said, guys, I don't see any more questions or comments. Um, it's 818 on my end. <laughs> Precious, would you like to leave out with any um, with any last tidbits of advice or what would you like to say to, to wrap up DYS? Well, I would just say to those that are listening, those that may be going through or just coming out, um, if you're going through, know that or coming out or been out, um, know that it's not your fault. Hmm. Know that you can recover. Know that life is better after making that decision. And know that you Hmm. must break the cycle. You have got to break the cycle because if you don't take time to break the cycle, then you will continue on that path. And if you need details on how to break the cycle, contact me at the email address that's listed in the group. Thank you so much, Queen P. Precious. You Make sure you post your email address. I don't know if you did, did. or not. Okay, thank you. Because, you know, I'm, me talking and, and hosting is, me typing and hosting is a difficult process. Um, the w- one thing I want to say closing out the call, guys, um, reach out to, to me. Reach out to Precious. Reach out to, to Vanessa. Um, reach out to a hotline. You have, if you're listening to this call now or you're listening to, to the replay, you have uh, knowledge now, and you have some real, some real life situations from people who've been there, and we've came out on the other side. So, no, it is possible. Um, thank you so much for spending your Labor Day with me on this very special DYS. And notice the title is Overcoming Domestic Violence. Not dealing with, not living with, overcoming domestic violence. Um, This is Valencia Grissom Wallace. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, And like I said, if you have any questions or comments, you can leave them on the page or inbox me, Precious or Vanessa. You guys have a great night. This has been another great DYS. I don't have a quote for the week. But you guys have a great night. Thank you so much for spending your night with me. Good night.